Welcome to Romans Untangled, the podcast where we take a seemingly difficult book of the Bible and untangle it so that we can enjoy its beauty. Season 4, Episode 2, Given to Give. Romans 12, verses 3 through 8. In our trip so far through the book of Romans, we have had many deep theological journeys. Seriously, we've went into the nature of humanity, predestination, God's ultimate plan. What was the purpose of the law? What's the whole storyline of scripture? How is Christ the fulfillment of all those things and yet remains completely just and justifier? In other words, holy, and he doesn't ever take become a sinner, but he becomes sin. I mean, these are crazy theological journeys we've been on, and it's great. I mean, I, I geek out on this stuff. However, now we're in the part of the book of Romans that gets very practical. We're going to finish up this book this season, and now it's going to look particularly at how do we live in community, And that is complicated. It's one thing to walk with God on your own, but when you do it with others, it gets complicated, right? And Paul, I think, does a masterful job of going through some of the issues, many of the issues that Christians in community are going to face in living out the gospel with one another. This week in particular, we're going to look at how we've been given gifts in order to turn right back around and give those gifts out to others. Hey, it's Pastor Steve Treichler here coming to you from my multi-dollar basement studio, sitting on my pool table in my man cave. <laughs> Many of you have been down here before. <laughs> it's a little bit of a mess right now down here, and so I got to clean this up. But but hey, glad to welcome you down here to the multi-dollar studio of uh, Romans Untangled. Summer's winding down. <laughs> the days are getting shorter, and I am just not ready for winter. I, uh, those of you who live in warm places, I, I envy you in some ways. Although I do think people in the Midwest, we enjoy summer way more than you. I, I just think we squeeze the lemon of every day that's nice. And it's so easy to talk to anybody here in Minneapolis and just talk about how nice of a day it is. Where if you live in San Diego, you know, we call that Tuesday or Wednesday or Thursday or Friday. It's every day. But here, man, we, we really do uh, enjoy that. All right, let's dive into the book of Romans here. Last week, I want to remind you what we read. It was verses one to, to two, just the first two verses. And he says this, he says, I appeal, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. All right, so this week I read from the English Standard Version of that particular passage. Last week I think I read from the I think it was a new international version. And you can kind of hear a little bit of the differences, mostly just the, the word order and how it all works out. But Paul is summarizing the first 11 chapters by saying, now here's what I want you to do. I want you to put yourself on the altar. I want you to be a living sacrifice, not a dead sacrifice, but a living one. And I want you to do that. And one of the ways that that looks out is you actually live as a different type of person you live as a person who has been bought by Jesus, 
Holy Spirit has been infused in you and you're a different human being now because of that. So therefore, he says, don't conform any longer to the patterns of the world. And that's what we saw that back in Romans chapter one, where it talks about don't live any longer like those who are exchanging creation for creator. Worship creator, enjoy creation. That's what God has called us to do. Not the other way around or to just just get rid of God basically and just say, I am going to worship creation. And that's the final solution to everything. Okay, with that said, that now leads exactly where we're going this week. Here we go. I'm going to read the passage through, and then we're going to kind of just take our time and walk through it. So if you got a Bible with you, you can look at Romans 12, verses 3 to 8. I think before I'd said 3 to 9, that was a that was a mistake. That verse 9 is where the next paragraph uh, division divides. So here we go. Uh, verse 3 of Romans 12. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, in proportion to our faith. If service, in our serving. The one who teaches, in his teaching. The one who exhorts, in his exhortation. The one who contributes, in generosity. The one who leads, with zeal. The one who does acts of mercy, with cheerfulness. Okay. So let's take a look at this now. This is a fascinating passage. I, I hope you have your, your Bible open with you now, but let's just go back up to the beginning here and take a look at this amazing passage. And the, the first word that he says there is, um, uh, for, uh, for by the grace given to me, right? So he is linking in one way, shape, or form the previous thing he just got done saying, uh, give your bodies a living sacrifice. Don't conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And uh, and then, then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. You can live in light of God's ways. All right, so he's saying for, now remember the word for, this goes back to season one, Bible study methods. The word for can, just to make it simple here, and that's in 90% of the cases, I would argue, it's either a because or a let me give you an example. And here, it most commentaries, and I would totally agree, would say, let me give you an example. In fact, he, he would kind of say, let me now give you an example what living out this living sacrifice, not conforming to the world and being renewed so that you understand God's will and live it out. Let me give you examples of that. In fact, I'm going to argue that that actually is what Paul's going to say all the way through the middle of chapter 15, 15 verse 13, where we're going to see Paul's going to shift and have one of the longest conclusions ever to, <laughs> to a book of the Bible. It's It starts in the middle of 15 and ends in chapter 16. So, He's saying that's uh, what this is going to look like. And he starts off by saying, 
this very awkward phrase, okay? And the more literal the translation, that's why I chose the, the ESV this week because it's it's a more of a literal translation. He says, Do, uh, I, I, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment. I mean, it's just, it's a lot of thinking there, right? Three thinks. <laughs> and, and so like, what's going on here? And he's saying, there's something that goes on in your mind about how you view self, right? Do we think humbly, accurately, and also with others in mind, right? Not more highly than you ought. And then he gives this weird phrase. And admittedly, in church history, this is a uh, controversial phrase. I'll give you the, the two big possibilities. He says, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. Okay? And so most people will look at this passage and just take it for kind of the the way that it the way that it lines out in other words saying um, each one of us is given a certain measure of faith and then you should just measure yourself according to how much of that you've been given and then that's kind of the the way you should view yourself I've been given a lot of faith or I've been given less faith. Uh, and then you should just kind of view yourself. And in fact, most people see that, see this passage that way. Uh, I'm actually really, really uh, encouraged by uh, Douglas Moo's commentary on this, where where he's in the minority, and I actually agree with him on this. Uh, and again, it's in the minority. And if you don't see it this way, it's totally fine. But but I think what he's saying here is more um, each in accordance to the standard of faith. In other words. The faith that God has granted to us. Cause, cause nowhere in the book of Romans does it talk about faith being like a, a zero to a hundred. <laughs> it, it's more saying, do you believe or don't you? And so it sounds like there's this, if you, you have the standard of faith. So therefore view yourself as accordance of that faith. Well, what does that faith tell you? That faith tells you. On my own, I bring nothing to the table, that Jesus Christ is everything. So what that does is it forces me to be humble. It forces me to look just to Christ. And then it lets me, lets me accurately assess who God has made me, Steve. How has he made Steve? Now, those of you who would maybe say, yeah, I don't really buy that. I get that. Um, I think you can still get there by saying it's the measure of faith that God's given you, but you still accurately view yourself and how God has gifted you. So that's okay. Let's keep moving on here. I don't want to beat a dead horse there too much. Verse four, for as in one body, we have many members and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individual and individually members of one another. Oh, I love that phrase, right? Now he's he's shifting the gears here big time in verse four to not just think of ourselves, but think of how does this play out in the life, in my life with other believers. Now we could spend a whole podcast just on this and talking about what does it look like to walk in faith to try to do this journey through understanding scripture and other people are all over the map and it gets really annoying when people don't agree with you and you feel like they're behind you or those people who are ahead of you might look at you and say, hey, come on, catch up. 
or not only just your journey of theology and how your theological understandings, but your your journey in sanctification, your journey in how God is changing your appetites for things that now revolve more around Him. And so as a result, sin starts to become less and less attractive in many, many ways. Okay, what does it look like when you have a whole group of people? I, I just had the privilege of preaching yesterday. I try to record these podcasts on Monday. And, you know, there's a two full, we have two services at Hope Downtown, uh, Hope Community Church Downtown Minneapolis, and a two, I don't know, 75% full sanctuaries. And, and yet, that's a lot of people. And how do we do this thing, right? How do we do it together? And I love this phrase. It says that uh, we are individually members one of another. Now, let me just say this. If you don't really take that to heart, you will not do this sport we call church very well because church is hard. I don't pick the people that are in my church just like I don't pick the people in my family. They're just in my family. And in my church, there are people that, man, I get along with like nothing. And there are other people that, well, let's just put it from their end of it. They would say, I that guy I just got to put up with, right? He's the weird Uncle Trike. <laughs> All right. How do we do this? How do you live with one another? And if you don't have a firm grasp of the gospel, which allows you to see that you yourself are no better and no worse than anyone else, but you yourself are just in this because of Jesus, you will not make it. You, the, 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 the measure of faith, that standard of faith, if you don't get that that's what it's about, you won't make it, man. I'm just telling you, church is not for you. This is a, it's a hard place. There's a lot of hurt. And unless you can say, dude, I totally forgive you in the name of Jesus and I want to move forward. Now, what does it look like to play in this game, right? He says, having gifts, verse six, now having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. Okay, the big, those four words are the point of this whole thing. Let us use them, all right? Now, he says, it's kind of, it's difficult language here. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. So in other words, God has given every single person who's a follower of Jesus giftings, right? The New Testament talks a lot about that. We're going to go to one other passage here, actually maybe a couple. We'll look at this. And it says that each one of us has been given these things and we should use them. Right? Now, what does it mean to use a gift? What does it mean to use a gift that God has given to us? And people have often talked about spiritual gifts and what does that look like? And you look at the, the lists in the New Testament, and I can't remember how many there are, 26, 27, matters how you count them a little bit. But, but, but I would argue there's way more than that because nowhere is there, if you, you have to, to get to that number, you have to add up what's in Romans and what's in First Timothy and what's in um, Ephesians uh, and what's also in uh, uh, First Corinthians. And you have to add them up. And I'm just saying, wait a minute now, when the apostle Paul wrote these things about spiritual gifts, there's no way that he knew that these were all going to be collected and counted 
Like he was just talking to different communities. And so I would say he's just using those as examples, talking about a spiritual gift. Now, what, what this is saying is this. He's saying, you got to look at the church as like a team. And to, I think, you know, I'm sorry if, if you're not into sports analogies here, but just hang with me. I, I, I think if you look at it as a football team, it's super helpful. Because it says that God has gifted different people differently right? So you've got your quarterback, you've got your running back, you've got your right guard, you've got your tackles, uh, you've got your defensive backs, right? Without any of those players, you got to have 11 on the field. If you want to hear all the quickest timeout ever happens in, in professional football, it's when they count and there's only 10 on the field, right? Because they know that other teams are going to pick off that one spot that's open and they're going to you get a big gain if not a touchdown, right? So if it's on defense. So you 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 have to you need everybody. Now with that said, there are positions on a football team which are more visible and they have somewhat more of a sense of there's a distinguishedness about them, right? They they have a distinguishable impact. There's no doubt that a quarterback has way more impact and and is more uh, visible in the overall outcome of a game than the the right guard. Now I keep saying right guard because I played right guard in high school. Okay, so I'm kind of partial to that position. In other words, my feeling on that is yes, of course you need the quarterback, but you know what? Try playing a game without a right guard and see how that works for you, right? Or or you look at like a in in, in the church. The visible ones are generally the ones that in the community have some form of upfront role, worship leader, a person who is preaching or teaching, a person who is maybe in, in a, in a, um, in a family environment, like is the leader of the family ministries or, or the youth uh, minister or all those kind of things, right? They would tend to be the more visible ones. But I'm just saying this, try, try pastoring a church or try going to church that doesn't have great administration. And I know that's like, um, uh, nobody, nobody seems to care. I'm just telling you what, what makes Hope Community what it is, is yes, we have great upfront leaders, but I'm telling you what, Olivia Disselkamp and John Neal uh, and Erica Meserly and uh, right on down the line, those people that run the behind the scenes stuff, um, they are they are killing it. But again, it's not as upfront. You need each other. You need all these gifts. All right. Let me go over to another book by the Apostle Paul. And I, I think this book is so important. Uh, and in fact, I think this verse is the most important verse in the Bible on this idea of spiritual gifts. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7. And it says this, Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. And, and whenever I use this verse, I take it one little phrase at a time. Now to each one, that means everybody. If you're a follower of Jesus, you have been given a spiritual gift. You have been given gifts or in, in ways that you are to bless the body, all right? It says the manifestation of the Spirit. In other words, I love that phrase. 
the way that the Spirit of God actually works itself out in you, it shows itself off. It is revealing himself. It's a manifestation of the Spirit, right? It is, and then it says it's given. You didn't do anything to earn it. You didn't practice hard. You just were given this so that the Spirit could show off. But here's the wild part. It says it's given for the common good. It, it's not just given for you. You might be an extremely talented musician, but if people aren't blessed by your playing so that it brings them to God, there's something like the Spirit is showing himself up. You're a talented musician, but it's not maybe a spiritual gift when people don't come to God. If You might be a great leader in business, but when you come to the church and if you lead people, if they're not following you so that they get closer to God, then that's not a spiritual gift. Each one, the manifestation of the Spirit, is given for the common good. The simple way of saying this is no one is an end user of the grace of God given by his gifts. The point of it all is we have these gifts and we are to give them away to others. They just We're just a straw that the Holy Spirit is blowing through. It's beautiful. And when you have that mindset, it's like, oh, wow, that's cool, God. You get the glory. I get the joy of being the straw, but you're getting the glory because you're the one blowing through this to blow on to other people. Now, with that said, he goes in and he gives seven different, in this particular list, and it's different in other places, he gives seven different things. He talks about prophecy, service, exhortation, being a, a contributor or a, or a person who lives generously, the one who leads, and the one who acts does acts of mercy. Now, I think a lot of these are like, well, dude, does that mean if I don't have the gift of of of, of con- contribution, I don't have to give? And you know, I, if I don't have the gift of leadership, I don't need to be a person of influence. And it's no, it's not saying that. But it's saying is as you see these things happening in your life, as you start to go through your involvement in the church, and as you start to see God blessing these things in your life, and as people start to follow and are are blessed by them, because that's the definition of a spiritual gift. It's not just something that I enjoy doing, but that other people are blessed by it. As that starts to happen, it says, keep going on there, right? When we get to the prophecy one, I love what Douglas Moo says about this. He says, New Testament prophecy could include predictions of the future. That could be true, but that was not its essence. More broadly, rather, New Testament prophecy involved proclaiming to the community information that God had revealed to the prophet for the church's edification, the building up of the church. The truth revealed by the prophet did not come with the authority of truth taught by the apostles, for prophetic speech was to be scrutinized by other prophets. That's from 1 Corinthians 14, 29 to 32. So this idea of prophecy is this, this place where you're, you're, God speaks and you're encouraging people along with that. And if that's the case, man, then just use that. If it's service, if it's ministry, and that specifically means uh like uh, ministering to the material needs of others, then, then go for it. If it's one who teaches, man, teach. 
teach, but don't teach to just give your own opinion so that you feel great about yourself. And aren't I smart? You're doing it to build up others and to make them so that they can stand on their own, not so they're always dependent upon you as a teacher. The one who exhorts or encourages, man, build people up. The one who can, can likes to contribute, do it, do it in mind-boggling, generous ways where you can just bless the church by your generosity. And the one who leads, lead with zeal, lead with zest, lead with joy, lead with enthusiasm, he says. And the one who acts, who does acts of mercy, man, do those acts of mercy to people that maybe it doesn't seem like they deserve it, which none of us do, but do that with cheerfulness, right? I love what the apostle Paul also said to his mentee, Timothy, when he wrote him, we believe this last letter that the apostle Paul ever wrote, 2 Timothy. And he tells Timothy early in the book, verse six of the first chapter, he says, for this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Now, a lot of people are, what is this gift of God he's talking about? And it could be like what we're talking about. It could be gifts of the spirit. It could just be the Holy Spirit. Uh, it could be just his ministry and his office that he has. In some ways, it doesn't matter. What he's saying here is here, fan it into flame, Timothy. Fan it into flame so that you can give it out to others. So, how has God gifted you? How are you a blessing to the people in your church? How have others come up to you and say, you know, when you do that, it just brings me towards God. How are you fanning that into flame? How are you... Uh, developing that and encouraging that and learning more about that? Who are you talking about? Have you asked people to, someone that you see who's good at that to say, well, could I, could I get a, a lunch with you or a couple of them just to get, you mentor me and a little bit more on how to fan this into flame? That's my encouragement for you. From this passage, from this passage, if you have gifts and you do because you're a follower of Jesus, let us use them. Next week, we'll move on in Romans to verses 9 to 21. We'll, we'll go all the way through the end of this chapter, and it's one of the most impressive sets of imperatives, which means uh, Paul says, here's how to live. Here's the commands about following Christ in a way that we get to live out. We get to do this. They're the best ones in the New Testament. What, what does new life in Christ, Christ look like played out in community? We'll see you next time on Romans Untangled.